Hi, I'm Ross Porter, and welcome to Stranded, CDs for a Desert Island. Hands down, my favorite CD of all time would have to be... Live at the Village Vanguard by Bill Evans. Well, for sure, Giant Steps by John Coleman. Joni Mitchell. One would have to be the essential Billy Holiday. Duke Ellington. Kind of Blue. Sticky Fingers. Beatles. The Who. Todd Rundgren. Keith Jarrett. Oscar Peters. Dave Brubeck. Songs in the Key of Life. If you were marooned on a remote island with no prospect of returning home, which CDs would you want to have to help pass the time? For most music fans, it's a difficult question. But what if you're a musician? Hmm, the prospects could be even more challenging. Her fans call Claire Martin the first lady of British jazz. Claire has won Best Vocalist at the British Jazz Awards on six separate occasions. Clive Davis of the Sunday Times wrote, Claire Martin is the most gifted jazz singer this country has produced in 20 years. In June of 2011, Claire was appointed to the Order of the British Empire. This honor reflects not only her brilliant recording career, but also her lifelong dedication to jazz. Claire Martin will be my guest on Stranded, but first, here she is with something cool. Claire Martin and something cool on Jazz FM 91. And as promised, Claire is here. Hello, Claire. Hello, Russ. When you listen to that, when you listen to your voice, what do you think? Um, with that particular track, I haven't heard for a long time. So I immediately think, when was it? Where was I? Who was on piano? Where, what was I thinking? And was I drawing a lot on the June Christie original, which often happens when you've learned a song from a you know a great recording? Um, did I manage to take it somewhere else outside of the the framework that she did? You know, I'm, I'm always analysing it. Actually, so oh, I that's a lot. That. You have a busy year. Uh, busy busy head. head. I've got really a busy head, and all those things go on actually with every note I'm singing. <laughs> it's not easy. Is it in tune? Is it from the heart? Can I make it better? Is it, you know, that's what uh, that's what happens for me. When can you let all of that go? I never do. And just be? I never do. Because I have to keep in tune and I have to be listening to the sound all the time. If I let go and think, oh, I'm having a little sing-song, it goes, it slips. It's like being on a tightrope. You're supposed to be... It's like when you lean back in a chair and you're at that nice place where you're just about to wobble, but... You've got to be careful because so that's just my thing. <laughs> I'm sure other singers just get on with it. But when you have friends over to the to the house, do you have a piano in your yes, living room? Yes, I do. Okay, so you do you sit around and and sing? Um, possibly, yes. And will you let it go then? Yes, but you can't. You when singing, some uh, for me to sing in tune and to sing well takes a lot of concentration. When I'm singing along to the radio with my kid or messing around in the car, I sound terrible. You'd tap me on the shoulder and say, I cannot believe you're a professional singer. What on earth is that noise? Because I just let it go and I, but to sing properly, I have to really concentrate. Oh, I feel exposed now. <laughs> 
when you, I'm not natural. <laughs> when you when you sing in the car with your uh, with your daughter there, yes. Um, yes. what are you singing to? Well, um, I'm afraid I get bullied into listening to chart music that she likes, like Jesse James and all these other girls, Lady Gaga. You know the stuff that that nine year old girls buy, bubblegum stuff. And um, I try and sing along with a smile, even though inside it's turmoil and I'm hating it. And I say things to her like, "Can't you hear? That's rubbish." But I don't want to break her little heart, so I, I sing. I sing along with that. And then when she's not looking, I might try and stick a Michael Jackson in there. So um, I try. But she's got she's got a good music taste. But she's swept along like the others that they, you know, they, they know songs I don't know. I've gone into that realm of mothering where I have no idea what what they're listening to. She's only nine. <laughs> Your your first Desert Island pick is uh, by Carmen McRae. Mm. Why Carmen? Carmen for me is the absolute top of my uh, favorites. Um, although they the top three can uh, sometimes interchange. That Carmen has the most intelligent approach to singing lyrics. She has the most wonderful palette of sounds that bring the words to life. She has the gravitas and the emotional um, strength that just knocks me out. She has a wonderful range. Her musicality is just second to none. She's a terrific piano player. She's like the musician's musician, singer's singer. And when she sings, um, I've got her... I, 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 watch YouTube quite a lot looking back at these old uh, clips of, of Carmen singing this live um, I don't know whether we're playing this particular version but um, it just knocks me out and I show all my students this is how you tell a story this is how you sing a song look at the way she's phrasing listen to the ideas she's got look at the harmonics uh, information she has to be able to m meander and bend and it blows me away every time so common. We're going to play the uh, the original version of it, and this is from 1959, and it's from an album called When You're Away. Here's Carmen McRae, and I'm glad there is you on Jazz FM 91. Said I many times, love is there. And I'm glad there is you from 1959. And it's one of the uh, Desert Island picks of my guest today, Claire Martin. Mm. That was nice. What control? And you say you play this for some of your students. I you, play I play YouTube clips. Um, you teach? I teach, yeah. I, I mean, not all the time, but I, I do one-to-one -one singing lessons. Usually sort of professional singers, lots of opera singers suddenly decide they would like to dabble in jazz and try and lower their voices and are interested in, in, in learning some jazz standards. That's always a very interesting um, hour. Um, so, How so? Um, because they're so used to song and singing in their head voice, they're not used to singing in their chest voice at all. So it's just a complete, for me, it's totally interesting to try and get them to sing in the voice they speak in. It's like turning everything they've learned around. It'd be like them trying to teach me how to sing sort of in high soprano range. So uh, just the sort of physical way they've been taught and the way they have to sing every single note as written for for me to say to them right like you just said to me you know let let it go a bit try and improvise on a line um they really struggle 
uh, and we have a good old giggle, you know, because it's, it's very hard for them to step out of the training of a classical singer. Um, so I, I, not necessarily just the classical singers, but I, I often, if people are saying, you know, I want to learn phrasing, I play them some Carmen and say, check it out. That's the master. That's t- that is it. That's the artistry of singing jazz. Congratulations on your uh, OBE. Thank you very much. Order of the British Empire. How does that happen? I mean, are you nominated? Yeah, well, there... I, I, I am apparently two people, both of whom I don't know who they are, although I'm asking everyone I know, nominate you. And then it goes to a committee, and that committee has a little look at your body of work and all sorts of stuff you've done. And then it goes to another committee, and then they send you a letter saying, you know, you've been proposed and we've accepted you as becoming this. How do you feel about it? Would you accept it? And my initial response was to be really rock and roll, sort of leftist, anti-royalist, which... I guess I am. Well, I was until that letter arrived. <laughs> and say, you know, do a John Lennon and say, no, thanks. And then my agent said, no, it's ridiculous. You accept it uh, on behalf of the whole jazz scene and all the women in music. And you, it would be wrong to, to not accept this because um, to be a, 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 an ambassador for this music is a, a huge um, a privilege. So you must send it back immediately and tick the yes box. It's the polite thing to do. It's the polite thing to do. So I tick the yes box and I put the envelope in the in the uh, post box and then I suddenly thought, did I put a stamp on that? I can't remember putting a stamp on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so didn't need it. It didn't need it, but I had to get them to phone up and check. Did, the, did Buckingham Palace want a stamp? Because I was so in the moment of it. Oh, I just So I go to the palace and get a medal and I'm looking forward to it very much. Although I still think um, that they're going to say, oh, it's actually Claire. There's, there's this great politician called Claire Martin who does so much great work for Aboriginals in Western Australia. Uh, it's actually her. We got it muddled up. You know? <laughs> I do think that might happen. <laughs> so the, the Queen will present it to you? Apparently, yeah. Now, is there etiquette? Have you been... been oh, we've been briefed. We get briefed on the day, but the, uh, the, 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 the books have come through the post of what to wear and uh, how we go about going up to get the medal and walking backwards because you can't turn your back on the Queen. So I've had to buy, you know, little sensible shoes and um, so I don't go falling, you know. Uh, and you walk backwards and she'll probably say something like, oh, I love jazz. And I'll say, good on you, Liz. <laughs> you think so, eh? Yeah, I'll say, yeah, she'll, she'll say, I love Charlie Parker. And then... And <laughs> If that happens, you have to text me from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> and then we have a lovely lunch somewhere. And, it, and it's, of course, it's a day out for my mum and dad. And so there's a lunch in this, too. What? No, we have to. My, my dad said, where's it say on the invite? Where's the lunch? I said, no, I think we just get the medal, dad. Then you take me for lunch somewhere else. So he's like, well, but is there a vodka involved? I mean, he was very funny. <laughs> so we're going up to Langham's and um, we're going to make a real day of it. So, um, yeah, lovely. Let's hope it's not snowing and freezing because, you know. I don't want all that going on, but uh, I'm very honoured. Well, nicely done. Yeah. Your next Desert Island pick is uh, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Joni, Joni Mitchell. I mean, what can I tell you? I've spent hours, days, weeks, years listening to this lady. Um, As much time listening to her as I have to all the jazz singers. Um, And I've picked Amelia, uh, a song I named my daughter after. And, of course, the song that is about Amelia Earhart, one of the great feminist pioneers. So everything I want is in this song. The subject matter, the, the daughter, the Joni, the, oh, you know, so 
this has got to go on the desert island. From 1976, here's Joni Mitchell, and this is from the album Hegira. Here's Amelia. Shirley Horn and Here's to Life, title track from an album that she did in 1992, and one of the Desert Island picks of my guest, Claire mm. Martin. Desert Island pick for quite a lot of musicians, though, Ross. I think that I think that song is, uh, you know, very poignant for many people. And uh, I don't think there's been a better version of that, of course, definitive version, I think, with Johnny Mandel's strings lush underneath that beautiful performance. His arrangement is the is oh. the sweet spot yeah. there. Yeah, the whole thing. Beautiful. And a, uh, and a, a poignant song. Yes. And one that others have recorded. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's uh, for me, it's, I mean, Joe Williams did a version of it that yes, I thought, okay, yeah, that works. But yes, I think those are the only two that really... Mm. I've done it on gigs, and um, I've tried my best, obviously, and it's nice, and I, I think I've reached people in the lyric you can't help but be swept away on. It's such a beautiful lyric. but So a better song to do live, perhaps, than yeah, to go perhaps. and put it on I disc? Think you, I, well, you can't top that arrangement. I think it's nice to do live as the sort of last ballad you do of the evening. That's how I, I do the penultimate of the second half. I might do this tune. Um but I don't think I'd record it unless I could have a... Well, you just... I don't think you could make a better version than that than that one we just heard. What was the first album you bought? The first album I bought? The Jeffers Jazz Album? Ooh, first album. Doesn't have to be jazz. You, you won't know it because it's an English band called the Rubettes and they were a pop band in the 70s. I probably bought singles before I bought an album. Okay, what singles, singles were did? little 45s. Do you remember the first single? Uh, yeah, oh, I cherished David Cassidy. I had a huge crush on David Cassidy. And a little bit of a crush on Donny Osmond. And the drummer I'm working with in Canada, Mark Kelso's, worked with Donny Osmond. But I don't think... I didn't bring that up with him yesterday. <laughs> but um, Cherish David Cassidy. And then eventually I progressed to the album of Cherish... Uh, David Cassidy, which I stuck on my door with sellotape. <laughs> and I was in the fan club. <laughs> Huge crush on him. Your next uh, Desert Island pick is uh, Ella Fitzgerald and, uh, and Louis Armstrong. Yeah. I mean, Ella and Louis, my mum grew up, my mum's favourite singer, Ella. And of course, these two together, it's just it. The two different timbres of voices. The album cover's so unpretentious. There's She's sitting on a little stool in a dress, and he's. St- I mean, it's just there's the honesty of it just knocks me out, and I and I love him and her together, and I just think this is a great. All of them are great songs. I just picked this one randomly because they're all great, but it's a it's a happy happy song like the rest of my tunes. And and which one is it? Can't we be friends? Here's Ella and Lewis on Jazz FM ninety one. 
Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong, and Can't We Be Friends from the complete Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. And uh, before that, my guest, by the way, is is Claire Martin, and her Desert Island picks so far have been uh, Carmen McRae's When You're Away from 1959, Joni Mitchell's Hey Gira, and Shirley Horn's Here's to Life, and of course we just heard Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. Mm. What makes a great song? Oh, I think a combination of great lyric, great melody, lovely harmony. Um, it's different for all sorts of people, isn't it? I mean, what what makes a great song for me where I think, oh, I could I could perhaps do that is, first of all, I get carried away with the story because I'm hearing the lyrics. And then if it's got perhaps a sort of pop harmony, let's just say it's a blondie song, um, I can then take that to my pianist and ask him to sort of reharmonize that, and that might work. I could really give that a, a jazz edge. Sometimes it doesn't work at all, and I've tried that with some pop songs and just thought, I'll leave it alone. You know, it's, it's meant to be how it is. Uh, where's home? I live in Brighton, down by the sea. It's 60 miles from London. I was born in South London. I was born in Wimbledon, where, of course, the tennis comes from. And uh, I live quite near, very near the sea, actually, but not as near as I'd like, but um, about a block down from the from the beach. The next piece is one that uh, that I selected, and it's you singing with one of my favourite British artists, the late John Martin. Mm. Some people might remember him from, gosh, 30 years ago with Solid Air. Yeah. Tell me about this recording. This is an interesting recording because the jazz people that were buying my records, um, when I did this album, Perfect Alibi, it it definitely leaned towards more sort of pop stuff. I was doing Phoebe Snow songs, of course, John Martin. I uh, said I'd love to sing with him. I asked the record company, please, please, can I sing with John Martin? And they said... Listen, the guy's trouble is going to be hard work. It's going to be, you know, we, we don't... We, OK, but on your head be it. You deal with it. And I said, OK, fine. So we, we got him at a price and he turned up on the session and he was... He had a hand all covered in blood. He'd been in a fight the night before. I mean, he was all sort of dishevelled. And um, I said, oh... And then he sat in the chair... The, the you know the studio chairs leant backwards fell out the chair I mean everyone was looking at me like okay come on you wanted John Martin he's, this is him you've got to rein him in and eventually he had a couple of cups of tea and we got into the session and I said come on let's do this man in the station and he was perfect from the first take he did about six takes he couldn't have been nicer he couldn't have been more professional and then when he came out of the booth, he went back to chaotic John Martin and sort of stumbled out and got in his taxi. So it was a remarkable experience for me. Um, and uh, Disillusioning? Uh, not really, because I knew he was hedonistic. I knew... I just was so glad he turned up, because I would have just looked ridiculous, because they did give me this responsibility of, OK, you know, we don't think he'll show, but... No, I think he was everything. I, I mean, forgetting about his private life or what his demons were, he got behind the mic and he delivered and he sang from the heart and he had ideas and he was flattering and he was... It made my day. That was one of the musical highlights of my entire life and I'll never forget that day or him and I'm so sad he, he died because I'd like to have had one last hang with him. He was great, great fun. Is John Martin, along with Claire Martin, and this is Man in the Station on Jazz FM 91.
Claire Martin and uh, John Martin. No, uh, no, no relation. Not, okay. No, I, but I used to joke. I used to say, uh, you know, I'm going to do a John Martin song now. My dad and, you know, I could see people think, oh, she might. I'd leave it, let it hang, let it hang, just see if people would go. <laughs> we spelt the Martins differently. He was a Y, of course, but uh, I just used to say it just mm-hmm. for fun. We both had our eyes closed when we were listening to uh, to that. And uh, what was going through your head? I was listening to his... Well, I hadn't heard that for a while. I was listening to the sounds he makes and the, the gravel he had and the... But the beauty in his, in his voice and he... Nobody sounded like that. I mean, people used to criticize, oh, John Martin, we can't hear a word he's saying, so slurred, you know, but I loved that. That was an appeal to me. Um, so uh, I just, I was sad to really listen to that, just thinking, wow, just so brilliant. And There was one point at the very start where he was getting going and it was kind of a... Yeah. It sounded like it was a saxophone that was starting to solo. Yeah, he was really sort of gravelly and... I mean, we did I like that. gravelly. Yeah, I like gravelly. He did it. We did it about six times, but I don't know what tape was what. But uh, it never. That was it. He set the bar with that, and it, it never. It, he just kept getting better and better. So that was a really interesting day. I learned a lot really that day as a about taking a chance on people, about tr- get getting asking one of your heroes why not. You know, of course it was he wasn't cheap, but he was worth every penny. Uh, I have got this. You know, experience that I'm talking about about it years later with you. So it's it paid off, and I'm very proud to, of that of that track. And it's a, a connection that I made with you without knowing you, okay. if that makes sense. Because yeah. I'm a, a, a huge fan of his, and and a fan of yours. And and uh, it's interesting how m- music can help make a connection yes. with uh, with people. Nicely put. One of the uh, one of the people that you work with fairly regularly is uh, Sir Richard Rodney Bennett. Mm, that's very true. Um, a bit of a mentor for me, really, actually, Ross. I met him about 20 years ago, but I have been working with him really for about 10 years. Um, he accompanied all the greats, Shirley Horney's work with Cleo Lane, but also Marion Montgomery. He was a big collaborator with her. And the late uh, Mary Clear Heron, cabaret singer, tragically died last year, who was amazing. So when he was knighted it was based on his contribution to the arts? His, yeah, his services to music, same as mine, I mean, but uh, you know, he, film <laughs> he's scores? someone who's written like 42 film scores he's written symphonies, ballets, I mean you name it uh, so he was a CBE and then he, he was knighted um, so he's like t- top level and he's So what do you call Dick <laughs> Not Sir Dick Richard. Uh, no, he hates all that Sir Pomp stuff. And I love it. And I was, you know, said Sir Richard. And he doesn't like that at all. He's, he's very low key. I mean, uh, he certainly has deserved that accolade. But he, he, he lives in New York now, doesn't he? He lives in New York. He's lived in New York for 30 years. He has a flat in, in Wimbledon, which is terrific that we rehearse at. And he lives in a very nice apartment on the Upper West Side. And what a great font of knowledge. What a fantastic champion for me um, he knows every song he's got the version he's got the verse big on verses do you know the verse learn the verse you know And um, we play and sing he plays and sings beautifully and we've been doing 
songbooks really we did the Algonquin uh, we did three weeks doing the Irving Berlin songbook and then we did Cy Coleman before that we did I uh, can't remember but you know next year we're doing Harold Arlen and it's great it's great finding these rare songs I like working with him he's, he's very pedantic but he's very thorough and rehearsed and um, you know he straddles those arenas of classical and jazz very well he's not a million note jazz soloist um, uh, he doesn't pretend to be but he has a beautiful harmonic approach and very uh, sympathetic to singers and uh, I adore him when you've played the Oak Room at the Algonquin yes you never know who's going to come in you don't you really don't <laughs> <laughs> who's come in well who's come in well the last time I was there, um, on the day I was received my OBE, the, well, the, the day the news came out, I had two shows. I had an early show and a late show. And after the early show, because it was the day of the OBE, I did what I never do, and I, ha I had a few drinks. And I thought, ah, oh, i just got the late show to do now. It's fine. There won't be anyone there. You know, I'll have a few drinks. I had a few drinks. I was standing there waiting to go, and I looked across the bar. There's Diana Kral and Elvis Costello coming for a bit of a late night out to see me. And uh, I was like, oh, no. Quick, sober up, sober up. So um, they came in, and um, also on my first night ever at the Algonquin, I was very nervous because, you know, being English, taking jazz to America is real calls to Newcastle situation. So after my first song and I was just settling down, the big velvet curtains opening in walked the sky and I thought who's coming in late now you know and I was just about to give him the look and uh, he sat down and it was Tony Bennett so Tony Bennett with his new bride inches away from me so I'm, you never know who's going to come into that room so uh, and plus people have come in that are really famous that I've not known about you know Barbara Carroll I love and um, I became great friends with her this year and fantastic place so when Tony Bennett takes a table close to you. Yes. Do you avoid eye contact? I didn't know where to look. Okay. I didn't know where to look. I, I, I swept my eyes across occasionally. And, you know, uh, you can't avoid eye, eye contact. There's such a narrow room. Um, no, I mean, I'd reckon, I, I, in fact, of course, I then said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so proud to say in the room tonight, Toad gave him a little... That, so once I'd introduced him and everyone clapped, everyone could relax because I could hear people go, is that Tony Bennett? Is that Tony Bennett? You know... Yes, it is. You know. So you needed to get it out of the I way. I got it out of the way. I got it out of the way, and then he was very lovely, and he loved the musicians I was working with, and uh, I'm not bitter at all about the duets album. I've, you know, so I'm fine with that. And <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to your next Desert Island pick. Yes. Uh, Michelle Petrucciani. Michelle Petrucciani. Well, this is really a personal choice because I walked up the aisle to this. This is my wedding music with my dad uh, three years ago. This is the piece we chose with my daughter's flower girl in front of me. So, And you married a Canadian. And I married a Canadian. Yeah, good choice as well. He's far too good for me. He really is. <laughs> so, so good taste in music, good taste in men. <laughs> two out two. <laughs> Here's Michelle Petrucciani, and this is Lullaby on Jazz FM 91.
bop, shoo ya 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 bop, shoo Sarah Vaughn and Shulia Bop from uh, the album Swingin' Easy from 1954 and one of the Desert Island picks of uh, Britain's Claire Martin, who's mm. with me today. I like that song. I love that song because a conversation I have lots, and I'm sure you do too, um, is all about scat singing. Some people are obsessed with being able to scat. Some people don't like scat at all. Sometimes people like scat in little bits. Some people only like it if it's Ella Fitzgerald. Some people only like it if it's Betty Carter. It goes on and on. I mean, it's a huge debate. I've seen forums of songbirds digests, you know, where we're discussing the merits and pros and cons of, of scat singing. And, um, you know, it's an interesting debate. But that, for me, is, that's how you scat. And I love that tune. It's so much fun. And she's just the queen. And one of those tunes that manages to incorporate the personnel into the into the body yeah. of what she's talking about, How you know, hip. Crazy Joe Benjamin. Yeah, and, Roy. Da, 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 and hey, it works. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I've tried to steal that and do that, and it's fallen on its bum, actually. I, I tried, because I had the drummer, Clark, da da da, da Tracy, Badoosh, but I'd always get it wrong. Clark, ga 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 I tried to steal it. Never try and steal Sarah Vaughan's legs. But that's another thing I say to students when they say they want to scat. I go, okay, here's Shalulabup. Go and learn it. Come back. We'll do it together. We'll talk about how she's doing it, what she's doing. Because the phonetics of scat's always so difficult, you know. Uh, it's hard to have, you know, shooby dooby. You don't want to do this shooby dooby. But, um, yeah, it's an important piece of music, that. I love it. One last question for you. People that are going over to, uh, that are going to London. Yes. And uh, want to take in some jazz. All Recommendations? Right. Well, of course. First port of call is Ronnie Scott's club, Frith Street Soho. The most famous club. Um, sadly, when Ronnie died, uh, things were lo looking shaky, but it's under new management now. It's been refurbished and it's gorgeous. Wonderful staff, fantastic, fantastic musicians from all over the world there. Uh, the food's even good now, which is unbelievable. Um, so Ronnie Scott's first. Around the corner from Ronnie Scott's, there's the Pizza Express Jazz Club, which is a great smaller room um, on Dean Street. Again, international artists and, and all the best of British. Um, there's a great jazz club called the 606 Club in Chelsea, um, run by a friend of mine, Steve, Steve Ruby, who's kept it going for years and years bit more laid back fabulous food and they have two bands a night seven nights a week so look at get time out and look through the jazz listings there's always plenty going on we need a few more clubs we certainly need as i'm sure every town will say but um and of those clubs which one is big enough to accommodate a a claire martin show <laughs> all of the ones i've just said <laughs> maybe not the 606 because uh uh i well, actually, no, the 606, yeah. Ronnie Scott's. I mean, I used to sing there twice a year. Now I'm singing there once a year because the world wants to get there, and I'm going to uh, be there quite soon. So so Ronnie's is the place for me, some wonderful nights. And on that very stage, I've seen people that have made me absolutely make, you know, made my mind up that I wanted to commit my life to, to jazz music, like seeing Betty Carter um, with Benny Green and Kenny Washington, seeing Art Blakey, um, some wonderful times there so it's a very important place for me that claire yes it's been nice it's been very nice one last tune from you and uh, this is jaco pastorius mm. 
three views of a secret. Um, big Jacko fan um, uh, and love all the stuff he did with the weather report and of course his uh, stuff with Joni Mitchell we talked about her earlier but this for me is I love the melody I love Toots Thilman's I love um, there's nothing about this I don't like and it's uh, I, I never get bored of this piece of music I think it's epic thank you thank you my guest has been Claire Martin here's Jacob Pistorius in three views of a secret from the album Word of Mouth on Jazz FM 91 <laughs> You've been listening to Claire Martin's edition of Stranded. Her album picks included Carmen McRae's When You're Away, Hegira by Joni Mitchell, Here's to Life by Shirley Horn, The Complete Ella Fitzgerald, and Louis Armstrong, Michelle Petrucciani's Music, and Sarah Vaughn's Swinging Easy. And, just lastly, you heard Jaco Pistorius's Word of Mouth. Albums that we didn't have time to play included An Audience with Betty Carter, Donnie Hathaway's Extensions of a Man and Full Circle by the Pat Metheny Group. I'm Ross Porter. I hope you enjoyed the show.